Chapter 33. The court physician amplified one word to three. Murder by poison. He did not say murder by dragon sand, for the poison was unknown in Delane except to flag. The king died shortly before midnight. By dawn, the charge was rife in the city and spreading outward toward the far reaches of the eastern, western, southern, and northern baronies. Murder, regicide, Roland the Good, dead by poison. Even before then, Flagg had organized a search in the castle, from the highest point, the eastern tower, to the lowest, the dungeons of Inquisition, with its racks and manacles and squeezing boots. Any evidence bearing on this terrible crime, he said, must be searched out and reported at once. The castle rang with the search. Six hundred grimly eager men combed through it. Only two small areas of the castle were exempt. These were the apartments of the two princes, Peter and Thomas. Thomas was barely aware of this, for fever had, weak, had worsened to a point where the court physician had become deeply alarmed. He lay in a delirium as dawn's first light fingered its way to his window. In his dreams, he saw two glasses of wine raised high, heard his father say again and again, Did you spice it? It tasted mauled. Flag had ordered the search, but by two in the morning, Peter had recovered enough of his wits to take charge of it. Flag let him. These next few hours would be terribly important. A time when all could be won or lost, and Flag knew it. The king was dead. The kingdom was momentarily headless, but not for long. This very day, Peter would be crowned king at the foot of the needle, unless the crime was brought home to the boy quickly and conclusively. Under other circumstances, Flag knew, Peter would have been under suspicion at once. People always suspect those who have the most to gain, and Peter had gained a great deal by his father's death. Poison was horrible, but poison might have won him a kingdom. But in this case, the people of the kingdom spoke of the boy's loss rather than the boy's gain. Of course, Thomas had lost his father too, they might add after a pause, but almost as if they were ashamed of the momentary lapse. But Thomas was a sullen, sulky, awkward boy who had often argued with his father. Peter's affection and respect for Rollin, on the other hand, were known far and wide. And why, people would ask, if the monstrous idea were ever raised, and so far it had not been, why would Peter kill his father for the crown, when he would surely inherit it in a year, or three or five? If evidence of the crime were to be found in a secret place that only Peter knew, however, place in the prince's own rooms, the tide would turn quickly. People would begin to see a murderer's face beneath a mask of affection and respect. They would point out that to the young, a year may seem like three, and three like five, and five like twenty-five. Then they would point out that the king had seemed in the last few days of his life to be coming out of a long, dark time, had seemed to be growing hale and vigorous again. Perhaps, they would say, Peter had believed his father was entering a long, healthy Indian summer, had panicked and done something as foolish as it was monstrous. Flagg knew something else. He knew that people have a deep and instinctive distrust of all kings and princes, for these are the people who may order their deaths with a single nod, and for crimes as petty as dropping a handkerchief in their presence. Great kings are loved, lesser kings are tolerated, kings-to-be represent a scary, unknown quantity. They might have come to love Peter if given a chance. 
Flagg knew they would also condemn him quickly if shown enough evidence. Flagg thought such evidence would be forthcoming soon. Nothing more than a mouse, small, but big enough in its way to shape a, shake a kingdom to its foundations.